Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers animated podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm a pretender. <laughs> David. And today's episode in our journey through Transformers Animated is episode number 12, Survival of the Fittest. Uh, first aired March 8, 2008, written by Stephen Granite. Uh, that's not granite like the stone, it's G-R-A-N-A-T. Oh, oh granite. Huh, that's a weird name. Hmm. Yes. He also wrote a uh, couple episodes of Rescue Bots. <gasps> and Yay! The- and then he's also written for a ton of other shows. Uh, a lot of X-Men Evolution. Uh, a bunch of that old uh, Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego cartoon. Oh. And he was also the executive story editor on Small Wonder. Uh, oh. What? The uh, syndicated uh, 80s what? sitcom about a little girl who is a robot. I... I just want to say that recently I saw that pop up on the schedule for one of those weird random secondary digital broadcast stations. And so I watched an episode and it's really not good. <laughs> that show is not good. I think that could be said about any live action show aimed at kids that aired anytime ever. Well, you know, yeah, I was I think- looking I went to the Wikipedia page on it after that. And apparently part of the problem was that they weren't real set on who exactly their audience was, Ah. whether it was for kids or whether it was more like an adult-geared sitcom. And so it was just sort of, eh, it was not great. I mean, I realize I thought it was perfectly fine when I was eight years old because it was about a robot, but (laughs) it was not good. So sorry, Mr. Granite. Oh, hey, Edie McClurg was on that show. Uh, future Transformers Robots in Disguise guest star. Oh, hey. Oh. That's cool. It's not, not good. Just, just remember it being good and don't, don't seek it out. <laughs> don't be much do, happier that way. It, it's what I would call an Orpheus show. Don't look back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It will turn I'm, into mist. Yeah. I'm poking through his IMDb page some more, and he wrote an episode for a reboot of Superbook. What? Okay, I'm not exactly clear what Superbook is. That's, that's like a Bible show of some sort? Yes. Oh. So is the is the Bible the titular Superbook? I think it's more like a Bible. I mean, bear in mind that I was raised atheist when I was like in kindergarten. I had an evolution coloring book from like the college ones that they have. Uh, But we need to do a a phone a friend. We need to. uh, uh, Anybody have David Willis's phone number? That'll be the entire episode, just him talking about Superbook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's. We'll we'll not do that.
surprising this episode is as good as it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, uh, if Blast from the Past was Jurassic Park, this is The Lost World Jurassic Park. Yes. Uh, which also had Peter Stormare in it. Oh, Ooh. hey! And uh, cool. he also finds himself on the receiving end of some dinosaur-based payback. <laughs> Like, cause he's, he's like one of the henchmen, right? And he's like the, the nasty henchman who's always like being unnecessarily cruel to the dinosaurs. Probably. So like two-thirds into the- Peter Stormare, so yes. He's separate <laughs> from the rest of the group, and he is devoured by like dozens of chicken-sized dinosaurs. Oh, the compies! Oh, oh yeah, I haven't seen that movie yeah. in so long yet. Somehow I remember the book and was pissed off when I saw the first movie that the compies devouring a guy wasn't in the first movie. I think pretty much the moment I read the second book where they just sort of hand-waved the fact that Jeff Goldblum's character had died in the first book (laughs) because he didn't die in the first movie. And I basically, all the credibility Michael Crichton still had left to me just evaporated (laughs) into the air. Yeah, he wrote a sequel to the movie, which is, is a thing that happens too many times, to be quite honest. Yeah, but, I mean, when the change that you have to make is put more Goldblum in this, is that a problem? (laughs) No. I say the answer to that is no. No, there's never enough Goldblum. Oh, we're getting another Jurassic Park movie with Goldblum. Well, Jurassic World. And he's going to be in uh, that new Thor movie. Oh, yeah. Yes, that looks great. Oh, I get her Goldblumissance. Yes. That that trailer is just the best trailer for anything ever. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, and much like The Lost World Jurassic Park, this movie also involves an abandoned research facility on an island and a small child uh, endangered by dinosaurs. So you, I mean, to be fair, I don't know what they expected, like, finding this island, like, considering the state of Detroit right now in, in this setting. Of course that was going to be some supervillain's lair. <laughs> I mean, there's probably three of them out there. <laughs> He's, he, it's actually like a timeshare with a couple other supervillains. Yeah. Like, Angry Archer goes there on weekends, and then they've also got some storage space rented out to Professor Princess. Yeah. Oh, it's probably the <laughs> island where he learned to be the Angry Archer, like trying to survive. In- oh, oh, man, just oh, like, God. Uh, like, like Green Arrow. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's all I know about you. You have failed the city, Sarah. And then he shoots him with a boxing glove arrow. (laughs) Anyway, we start with uh, some martial arts. You know, Sari has got this Allspark key. She's going to be under constant threat from Septicons. So we're going to teach her some sweet ninja moves. Now, I I have an amazing idea that I'm not sure they, they thought of. How about they hire a human martial arts instructor? That might have been a better idea, like instead of trying to teach her Metallicato or something. but Instead of Prowl <laughs> trying to teach her there, martial there arts. There are just issues, like most of her threats are going to be Decepticons. Instead, like, super, well, okay... I guess a supervillain human would kidnap her, but that only comes up so often. I think it's less that... I mean, I don't see a reason why Prowl's ninja moves wouldn't work for a human. It's just, on the one hand, 
using Autobots as sparring partners slash target dummies seems relatively unwise. On the other hand, if the point is to try to teach her fighting techniques that might be effective against other Cybertronians, that's kind of the only option. Yeah. yeah that's fair. I'm just kind of disappointed we didn't get, uh, like, Professor Sumdeck in one of those, like, dog training suits. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like the... that would be great. <laughs> <sighs> And I mean, he's got a lot of natural padding already, so I'm sure he'd be okay, although he's probably not getting oh. the calcium. Those bones are just going to shatter. <laughs> oh. Enough vitamin D. <laughs> so yeah, this, it isn't going so well because, I mean, I don't know how you're going to, even though Bulkhead does his best to sell it, uh, with a somewhat delayed reaction. <laughs> she, she he's kicks such him a sweetheart. He's and trying. He makes, a, he makes a big show of her having hurt his knee. Because it's not what's bulkhead. Yes. I love the delay like he's a dinosaur or something. It's taken that long for him to notice he's been hit. I mean, I can believe that would happen. Bulkhead. <laughs> Poor guy. So yes, it, it, it doesn't go so well, but she keeps practicing even when she goes home to her, uh, to her room, which we see now has a jukebox, which is cool. Yeah. That was nice of them to give her a jukebox. But then, Do you think it plays I... any songs other than the one the Soundwave plays? Maybe it just it's plays like how whenever slither. there's music on Generation 1, it's just a, an instrumental version of Cold Slither. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Because we have that one song and we're going <laughs> to use it. By gosh. <laughs> Until the George H.W. Bush administration. <laughs> Something is flying past her window, which wakes her up. It is not Dracula. It's Q, the wings. Uh-huh. And, hey, hey, sorry. I've, uh, there's going to be this music festival on an island. It's, uh, <laughs> a bunch of Instagram models are going to be there. <laughs> You're rich, right? Well, she is rich. And she plane will give you an extra hour in the ball pit. <laughs> On the other hand, she might enjoy the uh, gourmet meal of bread and processed cheese. Yeah, she seems like that kind of kid. And also the terrifying pack of feral dogs. <laughs> yeah, she also seems like that kind of kid. And these jokes are going to be these jokes are going to be a little old in a couple of weeks when this is released, but at the time, believe me, they are hilarious. <laughs> As we record them. First star on the left and straight on until we steal your passport. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Ja Rule. Blink-182, man. Blink-182. This is why they won't let you be in those Fast and the Furious movies. I didn't know Blink-182 was still around. Eh. That, well, didn't one of them quit to investigate aliens? <laughs> Probably. Oh, jeez. It would not shock me to learn that a significant portion of their uh, income at this point comes from people playing their shitty cynical Christmas song. Yeah. Every yeah. January they get that big check. <laughs> and yes, uh, Tom DeLong, he quit Blink-182 to investigate aliens. Uh, so I'm not of... sure if he would have been at this festival or not, or if he's uh, too busy... Mansplaining aliens to the uh, the redhead FBI agent he's paired with. 
anyway, the next morning, uh, Sumdak comes in with milk and cookies, and the room has been ransacked, and Sari is gone. The the shot of Swoop out on her balcony is just like it's really good. I just want to say it's very really great. Good. It is, but I can't stop seeing Peter Pan imagery. <laughs> I suppose that, that it really doesn't Peter seem. Pan scent. It really doesn't seem so much like she's being kidnapped so much as she's just being like taken away on an exciting adventure. Yeah, yeah, and it, that might be what she thinks. I get her. She was she wasn't really in was she in much of that uh, blast from the past episode? I don't know if she interacted with the dinosaur. She was there at the par- park at the beginning and that might yeah, be uh, a dino it. drive. I mean her misusing her key is the reason that they are alive. Well uh, this is true. <laughs> as as is so Only many things. Yes. Huh. So yeah, so for once this is a job for the Detroit police. And uh they're dragging the river, which is upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, yeah, it, I didn't really notice that, but yeah, that's that's messed up, yo. It's upsetting what? that the Detroit police have submarines, and it's more upsetting that those submarines appear to be based on the design rat trap was in. <laughs> yes, that's also in my notes. Oh. They're pretty cute though. They're very it's, cute. They are. It's the rat trap changing of the guard submarine. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, apparently they're just w- expecting her to wash up on the like on the beach in Detroit, like Laura yeah, we, Palmer. We've gone from a silly cartoon intro to we're like five minutes into any given um, Law and Order episode now. Yeah, only a little funny, or maybe NYPD Blue. Unsolved mysteries. Oh shit! It is NYPD Blue because Fanzo looks exactly like that one guy. Oh, Dennis Franz. <laughs> a blonde version. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not unsolved mysteries because uh, Ultra Magnus isn't in this episode. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Fanzone is leading the operation. He is uh having some mobile phone issues in an extended gag that was killing me. Oh, oh my so god, cool. his giant, ridiculous, he ancient mobile phone. Mobile phone with a rotary dial on it. it it's a Zach Morris at <laughs> Motorola Dynatac, but with a rotary dial. Yeah, it is the Zach best Morris thing. had buttons. Ridiculous <laughs> and, and and he says, I hate machines again, of course, and Either I haven't been keeping note of all the times he's said it, or this is only the fifth time he's said it. I think it is only the fifth, because he did say it in the last episode. He was in oh, he it. He was? Okay, so maybe this is like the sixth. Like, I, th- I remember... Well, no, he, I don't think he said it, because oh. there was no really machine-hating last oh, time. Yeah. He was just mad at his cops because they lost them because they turned into vehicles. I, ju- I just kind of remembered him saying that every episode he was in, and I guess I'd forgotten that he isn't in as many episodes as I thought. And, I mean, he only has, like, one line in that last episode, and they can't all be... This is why I hate machines. Well, if it's his only line in an episode, it would make sense. Sometimes he needs to deliver exposition. But yeah, he keeps trying to change, like he's trying to have multicolor dialing and he just keeps getting the same cop. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm, still I'm, me, Captain. <laughs> this is painfully relatable because I don't think anybody ever figured out how to consistently use call waiting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he says, you know, this is why I hate machines, and uh, Prowl calls him a technophobe. But uh, as Captain Fanzo says, a technophobe is someone who fears technology. And he proves that he doesn't fear technology by smashing his cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my mistake. I, I kind of like how cool Prowl is playing this. Yes. Yep. You know, he's he's chill. That's what he does. He's chill. I... 
I love how all the Autobots are just kind of playing dumb with Fanzone here. Hello? When he brings up exactly the same points that they were bringing up to Sari. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, he, he, Fanzone asked them what they were doing yesterday, you know, just the usual hanging out, teaching her ninja nerve blows, and watching cartoons. <laughs> I, now, Fanzone I objects the to the ninja nerve blows, and Ratchet says, well, you wanted to pick it up in the street? I loved Bulkhead doing the shtick of three things. And then, wait, what did you just say? Cartoons? Before that. First thing? What was in the middle? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the, the comedy in this is very vaudevillian. Yeah, and it, it works for this. Yeah. I mean, those bits are old because they, you know, they work. Yeah, because they're great. And, you know, Prowl never, never should have saved you from those seals. <laughs> So they, uh, they they check out the uh, security footage thanks to the rebuilt robotic Annie Potts. Yes. And uh, yeah, they uh, they spot Swoop on there. Of course, remember, uh, three fifths of the Autobots think, and all humans think that the Dinobots just mysteriously escaped. Uh, but of course, Bulkhead and Prowl know that they secretly freed them and took them to uh, what they dubbed Dinobot Island. So of course, those two realize uh, that's what happened. And so they decide uh, they're going to have to, uh, you know, check this out themselves. They're whispering about it off to the side, you know, yeah. as you Although do. Although not quietly enough for Captain Fanzone not to hear them. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, he has keen powers of observation. He's a police officer. And also they're yeah. huge robots. How could you not notice that? Yeah, well, the other robots don't notice. It, it's hard to tell if he's actually hearing what they're saying or just suspecting something. But the way, since we can hear them clearly and he's in the foreground, it's like, Fanzone is a cop who's good at... He's dropping. Sugoi. <laughs> Sugoi. Uh, I'll kill you all. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so... Prowl and Bulkhead, they, uh, they hijack a cargo ship. And Fanzone pursues them they don't uh, even... in the Rat Trap mini-sub. They don't even really hijack it. They just steal it. They, like, oh, yes. get on it, cut They'll, the chain, Yeah, they and just, just unmoor it go. and kick off. I mean, I assume <laughs> it's, be, it's, like, automated. Uh, possibly. Still, the point is they steal it. Well, <laughs> I mean... They brought it back last time. I assume they didn't tend to They're this time. borrowing it. It might even be the same we boat. I think they brought it back. We, we don't know where <laughs> that sunken ship from last episode actually came from. Maybe that was their first trip. I mean, if they didn't bring it back, they would have had to swim back. Yeah. I mean, they can't fly. I mean, Prowl can fly a little, but he's certainly not flying with Bulkhead. <laughs> no. Is there a reason and they Bulkhead's couldn't just not drive? In the last episode, they drove underwater just fine. Well, this is true. That's a good point. Somebody might have wondered why they came back, you know, soaking wet and with, like, fish crammed into their joints. <laughs> I'm sure they could come up with an excuse. Anyway, so Fanzone is following them in uh, Rat Trap's mini-sub, and sadly, this does not uh, prompt possibly diegetic sailor music. <laughs> no, instead it... It would be great it if... It just prompts another, this is why I hate machines. Yeah, because he accidentally opens the hatch. <laughs> and I and, think and, and get then a, he this drowns. is why I hate... Yes. Because he's drowning. 
And then he drowns. The end. Boy, I'm sure you're going to miss uh, Captain Fanzo. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of that kind of stuff. There's a surprising amount of near murder in this episode. Yes. So they they get to the island, and uh, nobody's there, including the Dinobots. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the, tracks. Yeah, and I like the tracks. He's not in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't show up till much later. And I really like the uh, the pastel color palette we get uh, in these scenes on the island. Yeah, this is quite a pretty episode. Yes. So yeah, they tracks and somewhat uh, like some sort of greenish uh, goo there. Who do we know who leaves behind a trot of tra- uh, trail of snot-colored goo? Oh no! Blot. <laughs> oh no! Actually, I think animated blot is a thing, like in a crowd scene or something. Not would not be at all surprised. I know there's a character design. I forget if he actually was in the show. Yeah, he might just be in the guidebooks. Yeah, or Derek just drew him for fun. Also possible. <laughs> that also happens sometimes. And I. Uh, Fanzone does make it to shore, but he is constantly beset by mishaps, like Bulkhead accidentally just casually dislodging a log, which then tumbles after Fanzone. Oh, Fanzone is pure sight gag in this episode. It's it's delightful. Blot appears in the comic book tie-in for the animated uh, Botcon year. Oh. Oh, okay. And it's at this point that I realize that if this show had been made maybe in the mid-90s, uh, Jim Belushi probably would have played Captain Fancy. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about because right. He did like a ton of mid '90s cartoons in the time between him doing like m- movies in the '80s and then TV in like the 2000s. Yeah. Huh? Like he was on like Gargoyles. He was good on Gargoyles. Huh? He was one of those like they they were like those mutant gargoyles that were like human test subjects that lived yeah. in the sewers. Yeah. And there was like there was like a woman. There was a guy who was uh, the Jim Belushi. There, there was like a guy who didn't talk. There was a woman. There was a dude who was the human lead's brother, and then there was a dude who was Jim Belushi, yeah, the asshole of the group. Uh, Jim Belushi. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Now anyway, I so so yeah, the this it's at this point where we we cut to a command center where the uh, the Dinobots are sent out to uh, to deal with the Autobots. By their new master, Meltdown. Dun dun. This is also the point in the episode where, based on the initial recording, there's an advertisement in the lower third for Chopsaki Chooks, which, is that racist? Yes. (laughs) What? I think it's it's a British thing. I think Chook is British slang for chicken. Okay, it's still very weird. (laughs) I think that was from Ardman. Oh. Weird. Like it's uh, like it's stop motion, I think. Interesting. Interesting. It's definitely stop motion, at least. Uh, I'm just I thinking mean, that, like, when we first saw Dinobot Island, it should have been obvious. Oh, this is a volcano villain hideout. Yeah. It clearly <laughs> is. You know, the Autobots aren't yet familiar with those tropes. Oh, no, my mistake. It was not stop motion, and it was also not Ardman. I'm not sure oh. what I was thinking of. <laughs> But was it racist? Probably. Probably. It was produced by Ardman. Oh, it was. Okay, then. Because the character designs were very Ardman. Mm. Oh, you're right. It was. 
Not actually Pike. It's also a uh, partly Canadian production. Canada. <laughs> Listen. Oh wow! I think I did see like trailers for or commercials for this, and like, yeah, this. I can't imagine this was on the air for very long. No. So yeah, this is a volcano base, and yeah, the Dinobots are sent to uh, go after uh, go after the Autobots. We find out that this is indeed where where Sari is. She's in like a laser cage. So, yeah, the the Dinobots they go out to confront the Autobots, and this is where we get Bulkhead, and he's mad, and that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> So she's she's in a laser cage. I'll point out being guarded by Colossus Rhodes. Yes. Who I didn't realize in his first appearance in his normal shriveled form, he's the exact same height as Sari. Yeah, he's like a little shrimpy guy. Yeah, Sari's maybe a little taller if he's hunched over. Well, no, yeah, that's true. But she's inside a laser cage that is on a slight platform. So, mm. uh, okay. So yeah, bulkhead is just. You know, they're trying to figure out why the Dinobots did that, and he just says it's because they're dumb and bad, and he is in full-on bulkhead murder mode. Yeah. Yeah, because he's mad at himself, which is being forced outward as anger at the Dinobots, so it's, oh, poor bulkhead. Sad. I mean, bulkhead is a lovable character because he's gigantic and strong, but he's also, like, kind of a gentle doof. Yeah. Yes. Because this is where we realize that if he wanted to, he could just kill everybody, and there's nothing they could do about it. <laughs> well, yes, th- much, they cast Bill much. Fager back. Have you seen him? I mean, he's, he's a big dude. He's a big, gentle giant who you do not want to piss off just looking at him. No. <laughs> They'll snap my neck for taking away his little rabbits. Yeah. yeah he is just demolishing these uh, Dinobots. He, he chucks a... a Free at them. He rolls them up in the ground? Yes, it's kind of like, uh, oh, that old, um, hostess, uh, ad in Marvel Comics where it's the Hulk versus the roller disco devils. Oh, that's why I know that visual. Where it's like a bunch of guys are performing roller disco outside and they're just loud and they're bothering everybody. So the Hulk just takes the street and rolls them yeah. up in it. Oh, that- <laughs> uh, there's a bit on that old Sean Baby website where he describes the Hulk, he says that the Hulk has just turned the street into a dead body burrito. <laughs> Before the fight with the Dinobots, don't we get a fan zone finally catching up with them by yelling for help in quicksand? And yes. going, I recognize that voice. He's also Jeff Bennett. <laughs> and then at that point, does this technically become a diehard? Oh, this is definitely like a buddy cop movie. And it's uh, especially because uh, that also reinforces the Jim Belushi thing, because Belushi was in uh, one of the goofiest uh, 80s buddy cop movies, Red Heat, where he is is a Chicago cop partnered with Soviet police officer Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Why have I never heard of this before? That sounds familiar. It's not as good as it sounds, but it's pretty fun. It needs it needs a better bad guy, but a, a lot of it is just Belushi v. Schwarzenegger, and that that's part a, is great. That's one of those movies that always confuse me, because I would get confused Red Heat with Just Heat and also Dead Heat. 
What oh, about a, a version of Heat with uh, Jim Belushi and yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger? What about Red Dawn? Did you get Red Dawn in there? No, go Wolverines. Um. Uh, <laughs> Belushi, do you see me running scores with Born to Lose tattooed on my chest? I am double the trouble you have oh. ever seen. Oh, Blitzwing was last episode. I know. <laughs> I, you know that I will use the Schwarzenegger impression at the slightest provocation. Uh, yeah. It's it's true. It's true. Uh, I looked up Bill Fagerbacki just to try to remind myself of what exactly he looks like in real life. And I ran into adorable. a thing of him. Well, yes, adorable, <laughs> but I ran into a thing of him standing next to Tom Kenny. Ooh. Oh. He makes Tom Kenny look tiny, and Tom Kenny is, is? huge. <laughs> he's, like, uh, he's like a beanpole. Well, I know he's really skinny. I didn't realize he was that tall. Yeah, Bill Fagerback is 6'6". Six, six. Oh, jeez. That's bigger than I thought. He, he's a big guy. Okay. Tom Kenny's like six foot. So, okay. So, oh, average. And, you know, six foot is pretty tall. It is? I mean, for, for the rest of us. Oh. Maybe not you. No. <laughs> Ginormo. No, only six one. Six foot seems it's tall. So Bill Fargamaki has two inches on the Kurgan. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, who's also on SpongeBob? Hmm. Wow, that's weird. Although I think uh I mean maybe not now, but I feel that he's maybe beefier than uh Bill Fagerback. Maybe a little softer. Hmm. Anyway, so yeah, they have to save uh Fans on quicksand, which I'm not sure is really a thing that happens outside the tropics, but okay. <laughs> it's also, I'm pretty sure, not real. Like, no, quicksand is an actual it, thing. It is, okay. but it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work like it doesn't cartoons. No, though. no, or like black and Yeah, after watching the latest season of Mystery Science Theater 3000, no, quicksand doesn't quite work like that. Although it does happen in swamps or near swamps. Because it is, it's like water yeah, sinking I, under sand, and, and it's usually not really that deep, I think. Yeah, contrary to popular belief, quicksand itself is harmless. A human or animal is unlikely to sink entirely into quicksand and drown at all due to the higher density of the fluid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically but, just, oh, I stepped in something that is liquid that I did not think looked liquid. Yes. Yeah, it's hard to move in, but you're not going to die. However, it is possible that Fan zone is denser than the average human, so he might be sinking in this. Stuff. Yeah, it's basically like it is a gel formed by sand that is like a non-Newtonian fluid that, when disrupted by like any pressure, just starts acting like water again. Ah. To get out of quicksand, swim. <laughs> I mean, I can believe that Fan zone can't swim. Yeah. I don't think he's been passing those physicals for a while. <laughs> Aww. That's why he's captain. So he doesn't have to. Guy's been hitting Burberry would... a little too much. The rest of this episode suggests he's in pretty decent shape, though. Yeah, that's true. He's like, uh. That's fair. He's got, like, fat guy strength. Yeah. <laughs> Doe 50 is Superman build. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, I, we, I don't think we, they've mentioned his wife, he doesn't have kids, but he's definitely got what you would call dad strength. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he might not be able to swim, but he can definitely, like, fix a deck fueled only by uh, most of a case of beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
So yeah, so Meltdown is also heading out to uh, to confront everybody and leaving Colossus Rose with Sari, who has to go to the bathroom again. <laughs> because she's eight, that's like all she does. Yes, <laughs> as she says. <laughs> so they, even with Fanzone with them, they aren't entirely telling him everything. But soon enough, they're confronted by the Dinobots. Uh, you know, Prowl, you know, they, you know, the Dinobots trust me. They'll, uh, they'll talk to me. And instead they just attack. Yep. Uh, Bulkhead goes into murder mode. Uh, Prowl notes that, uh, Swoop has some pretty nasty looking acid burns on him. Now who do we know that does acid burns? <gasps> who indeed? Well, I mean, we've only been here for like most of a season and we've only fought like a half a dozen villains. It's probably not Nanosec. Probably not Angry Archer. I do have to say, I love Bulkhead playing dumb. (laughs) Yes. And it comes to him so naturally. (laughs) Angry Archer probably does have like an acid arrow. Yeah. I guess that's fair enough. In the the little fight against the Dinobots, uh, Fanzone becomes a bike cop. Yes, there is a... Prowl basically says, ride me. There is a pretty sweet action scene where he's riding... Prowl in motorcycle mode, like you, like drives down, uh, snarl. Is that what they're calling him in this? Is I think, I don't know. He drives down it a tree snarl. and over snarl, slag, whatever, yes. which one he was. Swoop, Grimlock, and the other one. Yes. And the rest. <laughs> and whatever they call him in this version. Yes. And the rest. Yeah, and Bulkhead chucks a tree at Swoop. He is in full on murder mode. And as noted, it is terrifying. Mm. So once Meltdown actually shows up, they put together, this is, uh, this is what he's doing. Fanzone doesn't put it together, which is surprising because he really should. Meltdown showing up kind of explains everything. Yeah. I mean, aren't you yeah. a police officer? And- anyway, Prowl figures it out first. And, uh, yeah, Melt, you know, Meltdown's pretty, pretty pleased. He's got this island, it's got its own security system, and, uh, he's, He's got a new, uh, he's got a new plan. He wants to create a human transformer. Yeah, like, Meltdown has a really weird definition of transhuman. Yeah. He ends up being called Meltdown, which again, your name is Prometheus Black. I know, it's like, yeah, he's come on. angry he's being called his real name, which is awesomer. <laughs> but yes, basically he wants to create, like, a superhero style shapeshifter. Yeah, like, he wants uh, like to create mystique. Yeah, or, yeah, or a mystique. And, uh, you know, he's tried it with adults, and that didn't really work. So what he decided that what he needs is a child who's still growing. And so he's going to use the child of his greatest enemy, which, this is messed up. That is pretty messed up, man. That's... Yep. I mean, it's also, all of this is super illegal. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean he's yes. fully... He's committed to the whole supervillain thing. He's a supervillain, like... Yeah, he has his just... own full wardrobe of crazy polyester suits with metal arms with the uh, channels for his viscous ooze. Yeah, it's like yeah. He, he's like Doctor Doom if he was a bio fanatic, and also if he loved disco. <laughs> yes. The disco thing is always kind of bubbling under the surface. Never really explained. He just loves disco. He seems like he should be on roller skates. <laughs> The way the rest of his outfit is designed, yes. yeah. 
I mean, I guess there's kind of already a rare skating villain. Yeah. Yeah, no sick. Hmm. Well, that, can you have platform roller skates? That sounds like a recipe for disaster. You can, I'm sure. skates are platform roller skates. Well, yeah. I, mean, I guess that's true. They would be tricky, but I'm sure you could manage. Anyway, his intention to use Terry as a test subject further enrages Bulkhead, but we go straight from angry Bulkhead, which is upsetting, to agonized Bulkhead, which is also upsetting. Yeah. Because he just gets a big hole melted in his chest. That is a nasty wound. Oh. Yeah. And Fagerback always really sells it, and it's horrible. Yeah. Oof. Sad. So... Once that happens, Prowl and Fanzone end up dumped into what looks like a an underground arena, complete yes. with more lasers. Yes. And so, yeah, he's uh, meltdown uh, drops in. He says that you know, explains the whole human transformer plan. But his uh, his first subjects, uh, they were adults. Uh, one of them was his lawyer, and I believe in the guidebooks we later find out that one was his accountant. <laughs> which one is which? I oh, think sorry, he says the. Sh- I think he the, says the shark is his account is no, his lawyer. He says the one on the left was his lawyer, which is um the submarauder looking one, the shark. Uh, no, it's his left though. So the bat his one left. is his lawyer. Okay, because I was gonna say because it's confusing. Like it's on his left. Who's? Isn't there like a lawyer shark thing? That's yeah. Like... Yeah, but okay, if but later. I mean, bats also suck blood. Well, that's true. Oh, that's yeah, true. I guess that means, but it, it's weird because, like, he says, I thought he said the one on the left, which would be the shark, but then during the fight, when when Fanzone and Prowl are fighting these two pretender mutant people things, like, Fanzone says he'll take lefty, but he fights the bat, and, and it's like somebody doesn't know their left from their right. They're bad at stage directions. Yeah. <laughs> So the wiki says Bat One is the lawyer, uh, Fish One is the stockbroker, and these two are very heavily based on the Pretenders, Bomb Burst, and Submarauder. Yes. And they look awesome. Yeah. Oh. They are so good. They're, I really kind of wish they'd had action figures for some of the human villains for the show, because I would have loved toys of these two guys. I mean, I am a big pretender booster, and these guys look awesome. Yes. Especially okay. Submarauder, who I think always looked cool, and also has a great name. Yeah, it's a great name, although he has, like, gills instead of a mouth. It's like the best part of a shark is the jaws, and this shark doesn't have jaws. I mean, he's not quite... He doesn't have, like, the shark... I mean, at least in this one, he has a shark man. The original... uh Submarauder is kind of more of like a gill man kind of guy. Yeah. He's got like a, he's like a fish man. Very weird that this is more a shark with a squid for an arm. Like an entire squid? Yes. And then I, anyway, the point is <laughs> pretenders hide the Transformers inside. Yes, this is true. So I, I can't get over in uh, Meltdown's description of his plan yes. saying, you aren't fit to lick the mud off my platform shoes, <laughs> boogalooge. And he does a little twirl. Yes. <laughs> that 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 must have been an improv from Peter Stormare, right? Has to be. I have to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and they animated it, and it's the best thing. Oh yes, it's and I, great. 
I, I, I follow him on Twitter, and that is, he's kind of a goofball. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> it's, it's so he leaves, and he leaves uh, the pretenders, I think they call them fusion creatures, but they're pretenders, uh, <laughs> to eat these two. Meanwhile, in the bathroom. <laughs> Sorry, clearly has a plan. Yes. And she is, this toilet is weirdly high tech. Yeah, it's, it's far too much metal. It looks like a steampunk bathroom. It's got a key slot on it. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if one wanted to be generous, maybe it's like, at some point was a coin toilet, like a coin operated <laughs> toilet, but. It's got a lot, lot like high tech buttons. I think we got this thing from Toto. It's definitely got a built in, uh, bidet. Big I guess buttons <laughs> and then. You find out that it definitely does. Metal. Yes. It's kind of a frightening looking I mean, toilet. It, it has been established that the key just causes stuff to spontaneously rearrange itself to have a keyhole, but. Yeah, but it already had it before she got there. Well, is that the first time she used the bathroom? Yeah, that's true. She might have been, like, augmenting this thing every time she goes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, she finally tricks... My toilet at home doesn't have the... My toilet at home has some data. It's way better. (laughs) Key abuse. (laughs) Uh, So, Colossus Rhodes comes in, figures, you know, Tari's convinced him that there's something wrong with the toilet. She uses the key to make it blast water at him, which is gross. Yes. And then this shorts out his weird back pillars. So he's his now thingies. stuck. <laughs> he calls them his thingies. Yes. <laughs> so he's now stuck as a weenie. Yes. And then she locks him in the bathroom. He can no longer enlarge. I don't want to be a weenie. I, I still love that his facial hair stays the same size between transformation. Yes. yes. So she, she starts messing around with stuff. Uh... She turns off the uh, the controls that to keep that laser barrier keeping uh, Prowl and Fanzone in that arena. So they after they, after they fight the monsters and Fanzone does a pretty good job of fighting this monster. Yeah, it's like a kung fu movie. <laughs> yes. So they take them out. They get out of there. They get sorry, and so they head to Bulkhead, but not before Fanzone grabs one of Meltdown's spare disco hazmat suits. You're not going to fit in that fan zone. That is exactly what I have in my notes. (laughs) That's what I wrote, too. That is clearly not your size or fashion sense. (laughs) But, I mean, they they play it straight in the episode, and he doesn't plan to put it on himself. He plans to use it to hog time Meltdown. Yes. (laughs) Which is great. So they... They they get out. Uh, Sari uses the key to fix Bulkhead, and then Meltdown turns up with the Dinobots. So it's time. Sari learned this move in the first moments of the episode, so it's time for her to use that flying kick on Meltdown. And she misses him. Aww. But that wasn't what she was trying for. Yes, it was a distraction, because then he gets hit by Prowl, who is a lot bigger and made of metal. <laughs> which then allows Fanzone to tackle him and, as mentioned, hog-tie him with that uh, spare disco suit. Yes. I, I love that there was a rack of, like, three or four of them. You know, he's got, like, uh, you know, some evening wear, uh, you know, one for going out on the town. 
One for just uh, sort of lounging around the base, watching some whatever they have in the future instead of Netflix. I was thinking it's a trend of uh, eccentric rich people to uh, just have their one trademark outfit. Oh, man, if Steve Jobs had done those, like, presentations wearing, like, a futuristic disco suit, <laughs> way better. At the very least, you wouldn't see so many jerks wearing black turtlenecks out everywhere. Ooh. Yep. So Meltdown, despite being totally helpless, orders the Dinobots to attack. And they do not, but instead transform to robot mode, which we have not seen two of them do before. Uh, because, we, you know, we got some toys to sell here. Yes. Oh, it's Slag or whoever he is. He's got this big flat head. It's so cute. The, the, I do like the Dinobot character designs. They're very distinctive. Oh, they're gorgeous. Uh, Swoop is very skinny. Uh, Snarl is basically like a, a, a Tolkien dwarf. <laughs> yeah. It's Grimlock, his brother Daryl, and his other brother Daryl. <laughs> And yeah, Grimlock is just a very cool-looking Grimlock. Yeah. And I'll also note here that I still love David Kay's Grimlock voice. Yes. So good. The, the animation of Bulkhead's sleeping chest wound sealing up is just amazing. That is great. Very nice. So they are going to, uh, they're going to get their revenge on Meltdown. So hey, Prowl gives Meltdown a choice. You know, we take you to jail or we give you to the Dinobots. Yeah. The Dinobots weapons set on fire to just perfect. <laughs> they yes. ignite. And this is just in time for Colossus Rhodes, who is back to being a huge dude, and the two pretenders to uh, bust out. Yes. And the Dinobots are not having this. You just cut to a, a long aerial shot of the island, and then a huge explosion. <laughs> Oh, and, and and the two, the well, the pretenders are hiding behind Colossus Rhodes, and it's just like, we don't want to get hit. So yeah, they uh, they load the uh, they load everybody gets back on this uh, stolen barge, uh, except for the pretenders. Do they are they in the hold or did they leave them behind? Uh, we never see them again, do we? We do. We do. Oh. They show up again next season. Okay, then maybe they were just left on the island. Maybe. I I don't know. Presumably, Detroit has something to handle mutants. I mean, he basically, you know, when uh, Prowl asks Fanzone whether he's going to do anything with the Dinobots, he basically says it's out of his jurisdiction. Yep, not my problem. So, like, maybe he's just going to leave the mutants out there, too. Yeah, Prowl and, uh, Prowl and, uh, fans don't have a little buddy moment. If, again, if this was an 80s movie, this would be them, like, clinking glasses of beer. <laughs> Except because they're different guys, would be, like, fans on with a beer, and, like, Prowl with, a, you know, a, a tea or something. A tumbler of sake. Yes. Because he's that much of a weeb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, like, a sweet 80s power metal song would come on the soundtrack as the credits roll. Yes. <laughs> Possibly with, like, everybody turning and smiling to the camera, like, at the end of Predator. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've always been disappointed that the guy playing the Predator doesn't, like, take off his mask and smile. <laughs> and this guy as the Predator. <laughs> oh, God, just too many cook style. <laughs> I mean, already everybody is turning and smiling to the camera, despite having been gruesomely murdered by a Predator. <laughs> yes. Like ten minutes earlier. 
<laughs> Don't have him take the mask off. Just have him turn around, look surprised, and then chuckle. <laughs> oh, man, maybe he gives a thumbs up. <laughs> yes. I just want to watch Predator. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that on Netflix? Anyway, so again, Sari is practicing her ninja kicks. kicks. She again uh, kicks Bulkhead in the knee, and he fakes it really hurting him, and he falls into the hold, which... I was Aww. kind of wondering if he was going to fall right through the ship. <laughs> <laughs> he does give this amazing half-pathetic, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm, because he probably did actually hurt himself in the fall <laughs> while faking the knee injury. Aww. And all the fans are still not sure about uh, teaching ninja moves to eight-year-olds, but Prowl says that, you know, Sari can take care of herself uh, in her own way. She did bust them out. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that is the episode. I, I really love this episode. Yeah, it was really good. Like, it doesn't Quite advance fun. the plot at all, but it's so much fun. You get characters interacting with each other who haven't really interacted with each other before. Yeah. You get Dinobots, Pretenders, Selling Toys, Comedy Fan Zone. You get, you get more, I mean, uh, more Peter Stormare, which is always yeah. a good thing. Yep. We get Jeff Bennett playing both roles in a buddy cop movie. <laughs> it's it's the low road of Transformers Animated. Oh, yes. Not that bad. I mean, sadly, we are not, you know, the, that, and hey, much like the low road, it does end with a giant long shot of a huge explosion. Huh. Uh, presumably that was not caused by Dinobot flashlights. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> yes. Hopefully. We're just all gonna assume. So we will be, we will be back next week. Uh, until you find us all over the internet, we're on Facebook, we're on Tumblr, and we're on Twitter. And we are hosted by iaconunderground.net, uh, where we also have a Patreon set up to help with hosting costs for this and our news show, Iacon Underground Radio. Uh, that is at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. And you can find us wherever you prefer to get your your podcasts, whether via iTunes or Google Play, wherever you do get it. Please rate and review. And if you want to uh, get in touch with us, then please write into the Maxim Mailbag at stasispodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So next week, we will experience total ownage at the hands of the Headmaster. Oh yeah! Until then, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. I, I, I seem to remember liking the Headmaster episode. I think it's pretty good. I remember it being a um, highlight of the show. It's so. very silly. Yes. Yeah. Head on. Why directly to head? <laughs> wow, that takes me back. Or next time. <laughs>
this episode when I finally figured out how to do a really cool-looking animation mon- or transformation montage in this art style. And I know it's also got, um, also got a very obscure airplane reference. Yeah, which is so weird. Surely you can't be serious. Oh, I can be serious. Don't call me Shirley. Uh, Alright, I should hop off because I've got to call my mom and finish making arrangements about tomorrow, so. Good luck with things. Fun, yes. fun. Enjoy your trip. We will uh, we'll talk in a fortnight. Okay. Yes. All now right. I will watch Randy Orton in a cheesy home movie. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy. David, it's the House of Horrors match against Wyatt. Oh, yay. Right. Is that guy who played the Yeti still alive? Uh, or I'm sorry, the Yeti? He is also known by the ring name Giant Gonzalez. Oh. The Yeti is not the most ridiculous costume. No. He has worn. I think Yeti. That was the guy who had like the the suit with the muscles printed on it? Yeah, the nude body suit. He died at age 44 back in 2010. We did? Oh. Complications oh, you know, I, from diabetes I, and heart disease. I think oh. of a different Yeti. Maybe. Okay, this is, yeah, I'm thinking of the WCW Yeti who is Rod Rice. Oh, more than one. Wait, I thought he was Giant Gonzalez. I think Giant Gonzalez was a different guy. Oh, wait. No, I remember what it was. It was going to be Giant Gonzalez. And he couldn't make it because of a... Uh, Passport and visa issue. Oh. Right, because it was the Yeti who is actually a mummy. <laughs> yes. He's got like, he's like bandages all over him. Uh, and also the guy could not pronounce Yeti. The Yeti! <laughs> he was in like one match. I mean, apparently he was renamed the Super Giant Ninja. <laughs> As the Yeti's ring attire was changed to resemble a masked ninja. I mean, a giant ninja kind of defeats the purpose of a ninja. I mean, it's not just a... Uh, Punch only got one ninja, he's effective. And then later he became Big Ron Stud. Huh. Oh. Homage to Big John Stud. Yes, he yeah. was trained by Big John Stud. And then he worked with Raven, and then I think he retired. <laughs> Yeah. He had that whole Kevin Nash thing going on where people looked at him and went, you'll be amazing at basketball because of how tall you are, and then finding out, no, you're horrible at basketball because your knees are fucked and you are completely immobile. (laughs) (laughs) Let's put you in a wrestling ring. I keep meaning to plug this on the show, but um, the uh, comedy... What is it in the States? The Comedy Channel? The Comedy Network? Comedy Central? Comedy Central. Comedy Central. Uh, the show on that, uh, Detroiters, which huh. is Detroiters? kind of tangentially related to uh, the show. Never heard of it. Then again, I haven't watched Comedy Central in a while. But it's it's yeah. excellent. And there are a ton yeah. of Detroit in-jokes. Yeah. And I mention it now because uh, Kevin Nash had a hilarious guest appearance on it. Huh. Ooh. Because I, I didn't realize that he was from Detroit. I just always assume our wrestlers from parts unknown until I find out otherwise. 
Let's see. He uh, well, he was billed as from either Detroit, Michigan, or the Steel Mines, because I guess he debuted in WCW as the Orange Mohawk Steel, one half of the tag team known as the Master Blasters. Because oh, I guess there, you already had the Road Warriors who were ripping off the Road Warriors. Yeah. So. so I guess these guys were ripping off Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Oh, that's that's adorable. Oh God! And then. Uh, David, do you know about this? For a time, mm-hmm. Kevin Nash wrestled under the gimmick Oz, as in the great and powerful Oz. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, and he was billed as being from Emerald City. <laughs> but I mean, he's, he's got surprisingly good comic chops on that uh, episode of Detroiters. He's not playing himself. Huh. He's, uh, he's the main character's father who's been in a uh, an insane asylum for, uh, like, a decade. Oh. Well, I mean, we've known he could act since 1991 when he played Super Shredder. <laughs> this is true. He did an excellent job of dropping a peer on himself. 